Good evening, everyone. And uh, thank you so much for joining us today for our seminar on um, balancing social and environmental capital for sustainable development in Africa, co-hosted by the Africa Oxford Initiative and the African House at uh, Christchurch. Um, well, the challenge refers to uh, the paradox of um, sort of balancing universal access um, to goods and services, also for the last mile, with, um, universe, well, with, with financial sustainability of actually delivering them. And we'll hear a bit more about this today. We've launched this um, African House Initiative at Christchurch um, earlier this year, um, partly with a view to create a space for collaboration, for um, knowledge exchange and partnerships with um, fellow, well, fellows and researchers from Africa. So we are absolutely delighted to have the opportunity today to host uh, three AFOX visiting fellows um, from West, Central and East Africa. Thank you. And um, we'll be hearing dis um, or discussions around um, sort of inclusive water service delivery in water stressed environments. Um, about how decisions are made in very complex social and ecological systems, and also how conflict interferes um, with the basic provision of services and the development of rural um, public policies um, uh, to advance the sustainable development agenda. And now I'd like to hand over to our first speaker, uh, Professor Salome Bukachi. Um, she's an associate professor at the Institute of Anthropology, Gender and African Studies at the University of Nairobi uh, in Kenya. And during her stay here at Oxford, she's uh, based with us in the REACH um, program on water security at the Smith School of Enterprise and the Environment. And um, her research interests include sort of understanding local context, social and behavioral aspects of development, gender issues and community engagement. And today she'll be um, uh, reflecting on some of the ethnographic research in Kitui County, Kenya, on gender and access and leveraging on social capital. Over to you, Salome. Good evening. Um, I'm going to tell you the story about um, a, a study that we are doing in Kitui, in Kenya. Uh, Kitui is an asal, semi-arid and arid land, which, um, is more of a rural area that has aspects of um, water issues. Given the fact that they have experienced drought for almost, um, almost seven or eight months is dry season. So water becomes quite a key issue in that area. So what I'll be presenting is based on a study that we've been doing together with the REACH program and the School of Geography, trying to look at water issues from a social perspective. So I'll give preliminary findings in relation to the aspect that deals with gender issues and uh, try and look at it on how they've been uh, using social capital to try and leverage on inclusive access of the water. Um, the pictures you see there are part of the um, water sources that the community um, have to deal with. And I'll also just show you some other aspects of um, the water sources that they engage in, just to help us get a context in which 
the community is trying to work with aspects of water access. So uh, what we have where the animals are drinking from, that's what we call an earth dam. And the earth dams are um, kind of places that are dug in the earth. And then when rain comes, water collects there and the community is able to use that water for some duration. The one on, the, uh, on your right is also an earth dam, but it's more of a private earth dam where a, uh, a family can decide to dig one of those uh, pits in their homes and use it to preserve water. They trap the rainwater and they use it over uh, some duration before it dries up. The other source is what we call the protected shallow wells. And these are kind of wells that are dug quite deep. And uh, the community would either uh, cement around it and have a small hole where they can fetch water using uh, ropes and uh, um, kind of uh, containers, which they lower into the ground and draw the water up from. The same, the one on your right is also a shallow well. But the kind of protection that each of the shallow wells um, have are different based on uh, the group that is uh, working or the individuals that are working in that kind of um, uh, well. Then we have the more improved sources, which are the piped uh, water sources. And this, um, the community is able to access water from the taps using various mechanisms. Uh, the one on the left is uh, one of the rich kind of improved boreholes, which also has um, automated system of water collection. Uh, the other one on the right is a normal um, water system, what we call them kiosks, a small shop where you go and somebody will open up and sell the water uh, once they're available. So the question I'd like to ask if you go back to the different water sources that you see is, which one would you choose to draw your water from? And why would you choose to draw your water from either of those sources? And those are situations which the communities have to deal with each and every day in terms of deciding, making decisions on where do we access water. And there are several social factors that are taken, social and economic factors that are taken into consideration when they have to decide between where to collect the water from. And so those social and cultural factors, economic factors are some of the things that we were trying to um, establish in our study. Um, and we realized that water also has its aspects in relation to gender issues. Water issues, um, there are various actors that play in, in the water, water space. And one of the things we know is that women play a very key role, especially women and girls, really carry a big burden in terms of water collection for household use. And we can see pictures of um, uh, a woman collecting water from an open well. This is a shallow well that is dug in a riverbed. When the rains have gone and the river dries up, they dig a hole in the riverbed and they are able to access water. And children also are a key component in helping the households to access water. And so you find young boys and girls also accompanying their mothers or even going individually to collect water from those, um, those water sources. The other players are also men. 
Men are also a key player in terms of water collection. But as you can see, their water collection is different, on, uh, uh, different from how the women access water. The men, they access water and they're able to transport them using either a handcart or a donkey-driven cart, or they have bicycles to help them um, take the water to their, uh, their sources. On the other hand, uh, women, uh, they use either donkeys or they carry the water on their backs. So again, we find the gender dimensions, the gender differences coming out in terms of the collection of water and how it's transported to the home. And one of the things that we also need to note when we go back to uh, the slide on the men, men many times from our study, what we are finding is that the water they collect is mainly used for either construction or they're using it for um, their, their vendors, they sell the water in the towns. But the women, when you find the women collecting the water, most of the water, majority of the water that they carry is usually for the domestic use. And we know that do water for domestic use is something we need every day. So that just shows how busy the women are in terms of collecting water because how much water can they collect in a day if these are their sources of water transportation and also just the water sources they use? So how much of that can they carry in a day? So that means it's a very repetitive um, activity that requires a lot of their time, and so uh, a lot of their time is engaged in these kind of processes. But besides the aspect of the different gender variations in terms of water collection and the way they transport their water. And the water usage is also at home has a lot of gender variations. The context in which this is happening is a context which is a dry area. And so you find that when, um, whenever the, when, when the dry season set in, the water sources that the community uh, depend on which are closer dry up unless they're using the piped uh, boreholes which they have to pay for. And many times they prefer to go further because the decisions they have to make is also economic decisions in terms of, can I go further and get the water for free? Or can I, do I have the money to be able to access it closer but have to pay a cost on it? And so many times they have to walk quite some distances to be able to uh, access the water. And as the drought sets in, they even need to start leaving their homes as early as 3 or 4 a.m. to be able to reach the water sources on time. And they may end up staying even in those water sources for maybe two or three hours. Because what happens in these water sources is the more you draw the water, the lower the water table goes. So sometimes you have to wait for the water table to come up again for you to be able to get enough water to uh, draw. So those are some of the challenges that the communities are facing when it comes to issues of the decisions they have to make and uh, the distances they have to cover when uh, drought sets in or the dry season sets in. And of course, this then impacts on the time that it takes to be able to go collect the water. And as we notice, the women are the ones who are doing more of the daily water collection because of the needs, the household domestic needs. And so that means they're spending a lot of time going to collect the water. Time that would have been spent on something more productive is spent on just trying to get access to water. 
So that then also reduces their time that they can spend on other income generating activities. And so the aspect of the inequalities in terms of the gender inequalities keep increasing based on such kind of issues. Um, during the drought season, because of the water shortages, there are also limited choices of where to fetch water. So again, another decision that you have to play around with is, do I fetch water from where I can get it and the water is safe, or do I go far and get it where it's cheap, but I have to pay for it? So those are the choices, again, that they keep grappling with. And of course, even in the dry season, the price of water also goes up. And so that's a challenge also. And the aspects of hygiene and sanitation, given that you find people having to fetch water from sources that are not very clean, also come in <coughs> related to water quality. And that links to aspects of health implications because you're dealing with water that is not safe. You don't have the means to be able to purify that water before you consume it. So uh, some of the things we found was also uh, communities talking about waterborne diseases uh, being a common thing in the area. And one of the things we also came across was the aspect of ethnicity. Um, the community we studied border an area where they, uh, they are pastoral communities. So when the drought sets in, the pastoral communities move from their, uh, their areas and come to now access water among the community we were studying. And this has aspects of also conflict comes in because the pastoral communities come in with a lot of livestock which need watering. And their, uh, the community where we studied is trying to get water for domestic use. So just again, those uh, conflict between water for domestic use and water for um, agricultural use. So when we look at this um, aspect and trying to link it to aspects of gender inequalities in water access, uh, we know that aspects of SDGs we have the SDG 6 that is trying to increase access to uh, water to all, but we're finding that there are still aspects that need to be taken into consideration to help meet that gender gap of increasing access to uh, people to safe and clean water. And one of the things that uh, we see that we find in the communities that there have been different institutions that have come up to try and deal with the water um, challenges in the community. So for the women, they're leveraging a lot on the social capital among themselves, <coughs> trying to help each other. When there's a woman who cannot go far to collect water, either a woman who's expectant or who has a, a, new, a, a newborn baby, uh, she leverages on her social capital or networks with the other women who will go and collect water on her behalf and bring for her the water. Uh, some women have also got into groups where they have their shallow wells and where now they're able to access water from those kind of um, uh, water sources. So what we see is that in terms of improving water access and trying to reduce on the gender inequalities that exist in water, the water space, there is need to work with existing uh, communities or, and existing institutions. We have the formal institutions that are government-based that are trying to deal, uh, provide water, but on their own, they're not able to provide um, uh, the water. 
So it's important that they work together with the existing communities on the ground, see how ca they can leverage on what is existing in the community and strengthen those as they try to improve on reducing the gender inequalities in water access, not just as an aspect of provision, but also aspects of water governance, having women also to help in terms of just uh, managing the water sources that exist in the community. So thank you. That's the end of my presentation.